Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Young Life Podcast, episode 12. Today, uh, we are joined by... Aiden. I am Aiden, and I am a Bible college student as well as a small group host with the one and only Ben Walker. He's right here oh, on Sunday ladies. nights, happening at, uh, <laughs> happening at 7.30. There you go. Uh, my name is Elliot. I host the Open Concepts Podcast every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm a Bible college student, uh, TYL leader, and also lead the small group with Aiden. Ben hasn't been on the podcast in a while, and I really think it's because every time he comes on, I uh, remind all the ladies that he's very available. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is exactly why. Okay, this week we don't have a TYL download because if you watched last week's episode, <laughs> um, I had to record the message in my basement here because I lost the file anyway. And I meant to edit it, but I forgot to edit it. And so it was just so embarrassing. We're not doing one this week. Uh, but if you want to go watch my screw up, it is uh, last week. And Caleb Bourne felt the need to text me the time code. And it's at 12.11. So if you're really interested, it's over there. You can go check it out. Uh, but this week, we're talking about sharing our faith. And last week, we had uh, Laura Fest on talking about how to love people in the middle of a pandemic. And while our situation is not ideal, or what we would say is ideal. How do we still remain effective in people who kind of pursue uh, the mission that Jesus, 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 Jesus has asked us to um, partner with him on. And so when we go down that road of being involved in people's lives, eventually we're going to get to the point where we have an opportunity to speak into their life, the truth of the gospel and the truth of the goodness of who Jesus is. And so we want to talk about that tonight and begin to talk about that conversation. So I want to know from you guys, who is the person or persons or situation, whatever it is, that introduced you to Jesus, introduced you to faith for the first time? Uh, and when did you come to faith? Two-part question. Who was it? When was it? Well, for me, um, I, I grew up in a Christian home, but I think when I kind of like started taking things more seriously and developed an understanding for what I believe, what I believed was in... Uh, in kids church, definitely. We had a really good kids program. And uh, ever since then, just getting connected and learning the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. I just kind of, um, I, I took that from there and uh, I've been following him ever since. You've blossomed into this young man. <laughs> Look at that. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> ben Elliott, uh, what about you guys? Yeah, no, I think for me, it's the same thing. I grew up in a Christian household and uh, when I was growing up, we attended Spanish church in uh, in Toronto. And then, so yeah, when we came up to Barry, it was different. And then um, I like I knew of my faith from a young age, but actually taking it seriously, I, that probably really didn't start until after high school. And I probably attribute that to specifically my youth, uh, my youth leaders as well. So when I was a part of a youth group, us leaders, um, I was able to grow in my faith specifically. And then as well, um, keep myself accountable and actually just know what I was actually believing. Cause I think it's just to know something, but actually believe what you're believing is, is an entirely different thing. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, but I remember I was probably about six years old. Uh, and one of my best friends, uh, her dad was a pastor at the church and we were over at their house for some party or something. Uh, and we started talking about accepting Jesus. And that was the moment that I was like, yes, this is actually 
I I want Jesus for myself. Uh, and so right, I remember kind of, like, what kind of high school parties were you going to? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't high school. I was like six, man. <laughs> oh, I that got so creepy. Guys, I went to this high school no. party and I found Jesus. <laughs> you want to meet Jesus? And I keep tonight. going. We're paying attention. We're, going, we're paying attention. Go, go. Six-year-old this ben. is why I don't come on the podcast anymore, <laughs> like, Scott. We need we need HR for the show. I knew Jeez, it. Toby. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Anyway, we prayed in their backyard, and that was probably the first uh, moment that I really decided. I mean, from then there were obviously different moments, like in high school, deciding and all that. But that was probably the first. Yeah, and I think my story is similar. Like I grew up. Uh, my dad's pastor. I grew up in a Christian house, but similar to what Elliot's saying, like there was a moment that uh, it shifted into being something that was actually a personal decision and not just a byproduct of my upbringing, if that makes sense. And the thing that made a difference in my life is, um, you know, there's lots of people who spoke into my life, but it was really the friends that I made in high school that made the difference. Like it was just, it was not perfect. I look back at some of the stuff that we still got into. And I'm like, I don't know how my faith grew out of that, but it happened to. And there was something though, to, um, for better, for worse, uh, the group of people who were, who were doing the best of what they knew at the moment. And I feel like in my faith, there's been moments where they, it becomes like the new flag post moment where it's like, ah, now I am in, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then I get to another point in my life. I'm like, I can't believe I thought I was following Jesus. Then now I'm following Jesus. And I think that seems to be sometimes the cycle of being renewed and getting to know him in a new and a deeper way. And, you know, we wanted to talk about it because this is, this is the, Jesus asks us to do two things, to be my witness and to go and make disciples. It's really the two things that is a command to every believer. God's plan for this world did not sit on the shoulders of church leaders that you would bring uh, your friends and loved ones to a building to then hear a professional explain the gospel to them. But the gospel grew and was explosive because everyday people chose to talk about the difference that God had made in their own life. And, you know, when we are in this current circumstance, uh, we need more people who feel the, the ability to actually share their faith in a way that is meaningful and significant. And I think what kind of gets us caught up sometimes is feeling inadequate to do so you know like what what do you think would be some of the biggest things that um make people hesitate or they're maybe fearful of sharing their faith like what would just be a few things off the top of your head that you're like this would definitely be something that would make them hesitant or me hesitant or them whatever it might be no i i just think that perhaps there is maybe a stigma today around christianity that we're we're a bunch of like rule followers and that we like low-key hate everybody for what they believe in as I think there's and I think that prevents us from actually wanting to make real conversation with people because we're afraid of the rejection that could come with it um yeah totally so I think totally that's one of the biggest factors that go on I think it just comes down I know for me personally and uh maybe a lot of other people it comes down to the how to like how exactly to do it? How do I, like, what do I say? How do I like start the whole um, explanation? Like, do I just go up to someone random and share the gospel? Like it, it, and I, like we talked about last week, like it kind of starts with like, I feel like, like a relationship, but like for me personally, I've 
been so caught up in the execution of like, when is the right time? Uh, what are the right words to say? Um, and that's the other thing too. It's like, it's something that we have to say eventually. Like we have to, we have to yeah. explain it. It's not like for me, I, I feel like I've been so comfortable just thinking, oh, they'll see my actions and they'll see the way Jesus wants me to live. So they'll come to me and ask me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think, I think a lot of, a big part of it is kind of exiting your comfort zone. Totally it is. Yeah. I think that uh, for a lot of people, it's, it's a fear of offending them. Like the gospel in and of itself is offensive to us as Christians. It's like, it's blessed assurance, right? Jesus is mine. But for other people, before you can accept Jesus, you first have to accept I'm broken and I can't fix it on my own. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that message in and of itself is offensive. And so we as Christians, we like to be liked. Everyone likes to be liked. So we don't (laughs) want to say something that's going to offend someone. And so we tend to shy away from it. Definitely. Yeah, I think you're right. And we've talked about this young life before, but I think the nature of that, what you just explained there is the cultural narrative that we live in, that you are the master of your own fate. Like you hold the keys to your own future. And we understand the reality is that's not true, even though uh, we live in a culture that believes that's true. It's really the backbone of every marketing you've ever like, like we, it really plays into the, you are the main character of your own life kind of mentality. You know what I mean? And that's what I loved about uh, Laura's conversation last week. And I think Laura's conversation last week is a good groundwork to begin to see how we share our faith because she kind of postured her life to say, no, I, I want to be accessible and available. I want to care for people. I want to love people. And from that place of a posture of a servant, I want to share who mm-hmm. Jesus is. Because I think that no one cares what you know until they know that you care. And Ben, I think you're totally right that we are cautious of offending. But when people get to know your heart and your intention and you have a track record with them, I think there's an allowance to uh, be open to what you're saying because they now know your character and heart. And personally, my own personal conviction is I think the gospel is it's like a treasure that you want to bring at the right time. And I think sometimes the the uh, evangelism method can be I'm going to stand in a box in a street corner. I'm going to tell them about Jesus and how they respond is their responsibility. But I really feel like we as believers need to carry more of a responsibility with how we share Jesus, because I think you're right, Ben. What we're trying to do is get them to a net zero And I think right now, as believers, as Christians, we live in a deficit of reputation and relationship and love and care and service. And so it's almost like our love and care can help bring someone's opinion to a zero, (laughs) at least between us and them. And then we have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. Uh, And again, yeah, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. And so we've invited Pastor Carlo Rosati. He is a friend of mine. Uh, He's amazing. He's one of my all-time favorite people. Uh, to come and talk. He did not grow up in a Christian home, uh, and yet he found Jesus and felt this call to ministry, and now he's a pastor um, discipling others and training other people how to disciple other people. So really excited to have him come, kind of talk about his journey. Uh, There's this amazing Mm -hmm. moment. He got to lead his own dad to uh, Christ right before he passed away. Just really amazing story. Anyway, really excited for it. We're going to skip our Young Life download for this week, and we're going to jump right in with Pastor Carlo Rosati. Why don't you check it out right now?
Well, everyone, welcome Pastor Carlo Rosati uh, from Stratford, Ontario. Uh, Carlo and I had a chance to work together at Waterdown uh, Community Church in Waterdown with pastors Jason and Carla. And so uh, he is one of our all-time favorite people, Carlo and Maddie, his wife, Maddie, who is way better than Carlo, but we wanted to interview Carlo just because he has more free time than she does. And Carlo is someone who didn't necessarily grow up in the church. He doesn't grow up from a faith background. Uh, and so I think Carlo has a very unique perspective um, on what it means to come to faith and what it means to disciple people into being disciple makers and people who want to introduce people to their faith. Uh, and, you know, the thing I love about Carlo is Carlo is not one for pageantry uh, in a lot of things in life. But what does that even just... mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like he's not one for like the show and flowery language he's just going to tell you how it is um for better for worse and he's going to share things from his heart and from a very grounded and authentic perspective and so uh carlo why don't you tell us a bit about your story and your life and how you came to faith and who are the biggest influences in your life when it came to following jesus i think i always had probably a belief in a higher power whether at that time I wanted to call it God or not, I wasn't convinced from a young age uh, of atheism in the sense of that nothing can start something. For my whole life, I was like that. If anything doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. That, that nothing can start something. So I would have probably considered myself more agnostic at, uh, for a majority of my life when I was a, a kid or a, a teen. And um, I had really great friends growing up. I, I grew up in this neighborhood of uh, complexes. There was like four or five complexes and each complex had 12 units. So there was like kids at the wazoo. So I had like 20 best friends around me at all times. <laughs> and I'm technically an only child between my mom and my dad. Um, I do have a half sister from my dad's previous marriage. And that was even before I was born. And she's awesome. I love her. Her name's Marie. But uh, being an only child growing up with so many friends, it was awesome. And the neighborhood I lived at, like, you know, some of my best friends were just a bike ride down the street, which I think about kids now and how that's just not an option for them right now. I'm like, man, we had a good, we had a good one. Kid. We're allowed to break laws and get away with anything and we'd never get in trouble. <laughs> and uh, I had, I had some great friends uh, that lived a couple blocks down the road from me. And uh, one of, one of my best friends growing up, his name was Tyler and me and Tyler loved skateboarding. And at that time I didn't have any other friends that were like passionate about skateboarding and just did it every single day. And so me and him every day from like probably grade six or grade seven, we started connecting and we would skate every day after school all day long. I definitely spent more time at his parents' house than my parents' house from then on. And um, yeah, so his family was Christian and they went to this church in Burlington where I grew up in Ontario called Glad Tidings. Um, it's a pretty awesome church. I love it. It feels like home every time I go there. And uh, they had a skate park that they would wheel out into their parking lot. And maybe if you've been in church for any amount of time now, that's kind of, that was like a phase, like lots of churches wanted to. Totally like, it was. There was something about Glad Tidings that did it really, really well. Like I remember there would be like 200 kids that would show up to the junior high program and it was like all these people, they, and they were like me. They had no interest in going to a church, but there was skateboard everywhere. They would order pizza for it. Like it was, it was unreal. It was awesome. 
And uh, yeah, it was just so good. So Tyler invited me to come to his church to skate and I just couldn't connect the two. And then I showed up and I was like, what is this? This is crazy. It was just, it went beyond all of my understanding and previous experience of, of church or God or Christianity or faith. And so that was kind of the start of it. Long story short, um, his family kind of took me in like a son. Not that my parents abandoned me by any means. Or, or <laughs> it was by choice this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they they were like a second family to me for sure. Um, and so I connected with his older brother, Mike. Uh, his name's Mike Bronson. Some people watching this, maybe will end up knowing who that is. And Mike is like been my best friend since since then. I remember it started off with him buying me a chocolate bar at youth group because <laughs> I had no money and he bought me a chocolate <laughs> bar and I came back every week. And I, I kid you not <laughs> from that first night, I had never missed a youth night. Never, never missed a youth night, not even once. And they were on Fridays at the time. Um, and now as a youth pastor, never missed a youth night. It's never, it's never <laughs> been a thing. So, <laughs> I've been going to youth for like, I don't going know. To youth for like 20 25 years. years. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so Mike was one of those influential people in my life. Um, and he, uh, he really, he really just did an amazing job at kind of expressing the uniqueness of Christianity amongst all other worldviews. Um, and it really caught my attention and partially it's because now I understand that Holy spirit was waking something up in me. Um, but at the time it was, wow, this person isn't like, you know, a Bible thumper, or all those words we used back then to explain <laughs> Christians. And, and he really took time to listen to me, to, to meet me in the middle, to meet me where I was at. And we always did it organically. I mean, I honestly, like, I, I make this joke of how, like, like my salvation story, I would call it a mixed salvation for the amount of times that we spent at McDonald's, like, and there was a 24 hour McDonald's literally across the street from the church in Burlington. And we used to sit in there till three, four in the morning. And I was like 16 years old and we were allowed to do that. And my parents didn't ask me where I was. Yeah. <laughs> I never Ple- came home. It was pre-planned car. to protect. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I never came home in a cop car. So they never asked any questions. <laughs> now it's a whole nother world, but we spent so many nights, like countless nights, thousands of hours we clocked in at McDonald's um, over, you know, Big Macs, just talking about life, talking about faith, talking about doubt, talking about God and, and all those kinds of things. So I'm an overflow kid. If anybody here is watching that went to youth group, I know this is for young adults and you went to a conference when you're in youth group, I'm the kid that that gave his life to Jesus on a Friday night. And that's where it kind of clicked. It's the Friday night altar call, the piano's playing, it's emotional. The pastor just yelled for half an hour. Like it was intense. It was intense. And it got my thoughts rolling. I found myself departing from all these people. And there was like, I don't know, three, 4,000 people stuffed in this room. And I went up and found myself up in this balcony, which I shouldn't have been able to get up into, but I was that good. So I had practice. <laughs> and I remember there were stairs out. and the doors open, but I was that good. Yeah. yeah. I remember looking out over on top of this balcony over at all these other people that were my age that came from all these like backgrounds. They came from all over Ontario and something clicked in my head and I went, okay, how, how could God not be real? And thousands of people just like me, but not like me at all show up Mm. for the same reason, even if they don't know what that reason quite was yet. And that's where I think the gospel clicked for the very first time. It's not that I didn't 
I wasn't told or expressed about the good news before, but that's where I made that decision. I remember running down to the altar when they did the altar call and we're singing some old Hillsong United song and I'm just like weeping and crying. And then I go back and give Mike a big hug. I was like, I just became a Christian. <laughs> it was like, it was a mess. And anybody that knows me knows. Like, He's like, here's a chicken nugget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though my intro from you is that I'm like this bold guy who like doesn't cut around quarters. I'm actually like an emotional mess most of the time. It's just, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I didn't say you're world. a jerk. I just said like, <laughs> you just, you're not, you're not making stuff up. You're not. Right. Yeah, yeah. Adding to it. So that that's kind of where it was at is somebody somebody introduced me to faith, meeting me where I was um, in a unique scenario at a church parking lot skate park. And uh, I went to I went to, a, in a sense, a service and all the things that I was told over time, the seeds that were planted, they clicked in that moment for me. And uh, yeah, you know? so there's a, there's a few things I hear from your story. First of all, like your overflow part, like people want to see a display of what we're talking about when it comes to faith. And when they right. can experience an encounter with a living God, even from a balcony watching it happen, uh, people want to know that it's true beyond just what we can explain. But mm. uh, when we put people in the right position, God's going to reveal himself. I think that's a big thing to remember when we're talking about sharing our faith is, you know, we, we do have a responsibility to share our faith but it's really the Holy spirit is the one that makes the pieces all fit together. And I think what makes us really hesitant sometimes is feeling like we need to know how to fit all the pieces together yeah. uh, in someone's life for them to finally make that decision. And I, I think that's actually a good intimidating feeling because it means that we care enough hmm. to want to fit the pieces together, but there's a part of it where we have to go, you know what? I, I'm going to trust the Holy spirit's going to do that. So number one, there's like this display of God's awesome power that actually made a difference in your decision. And two, the Bronson family was someone who was willing to receive you as you were like that. It was a genuine relationship. It's not like they were like, Oh, we're going to go find that kid Carlo and win him to Jesus. It was something real. And I think one thing that stops people is, is the feeling that um, it, it can sometimes feel like there needs to be an agenda to a friendship. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that, not, that, that was something that was something that I felt like Mike and, and that Tyler and that whole family, I didn't feel that at all. Totally. Even though I over time understood that there was reason to the conversations that we were having, um, it wasn't that because they just and and as a pastor, I struggle with this now too, because I'm like, well, of course I want to I want to tell people about Jesus because I want them to you know, live eternally. I don't want them to go to hell, like all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to just do that because, but it's totally. actually because I love that person and I want to be friends with that person. I want to, I want to care for that person, irrelevant of what they personally decide. Um, and so I never felt, I never felt that kind of that pressure to like choose or like to do something that they were telling me to do. It was, it was very genuine. Very, very genuine. And we had we had Laura Fess on last week. She was talking about loving people in a pandemic. And while we're stuck at home, to see our direct neighbors as that was our community right now, right? Like right. the people who literally live next door, they're our only really community <clears throat> while we're kind of stuck at home. And a big part of it was making ourselves available. And it's, it sounds exactly what, what that family did. Like more than anything else, they kind of made their lives available to you I can see moose in the background. Uh, like they made themselves available to you. And I think that's a big part for us is 
as believers, when we make our lives available to other people and in a real and genuine way, and, and God begins to use those moments that they don't have to be disingenuous, even though, yeah, like there are lots of people in my life. I wish they would come to faith, but it's not the only reason that I have a relationship with them. Of mm. course, I, I feel like I want to share this amazing thing with them, but it can't necessarily be the only motive uh, because then it feels like it's, it feels disingenuous. And, and I feel like it robs the gospel of what it really means to want to care and show love and grace. God doesn't love me with an alternative motive. He just loves me for who I am. And so I feel like the charge to us is to try and do that for other people as well. Yeah. Something that we used to talk about a lot when we were in water down together is, um, you know, the kind of like the slogan of the church was your place to belong. Um, mm. and it was written all over the place. It was ingrained in our minds. Right. And the way that we live today, I think is because of what we learned, um, in that season. And I feel like that is definitely a part of my story is that I felt like I belonged before I had to believe. So I didn't have to, you know, pass a test before I was accepted by the people that were teaching me about Christianity. Um, and that was huge. That was huge that they truly just wanted me to know that I belonged um, before I even believed, which really goes to show about somebody's character and motives behind why they even spend time with you. Totally. And so as someone who comes from outside of the church in a lot of ways, what are kind of the things that made you initially hesitant? Like what are the things that from the outside looking in, you're like, well, I, I don't think I want to go to your church. Uh, mm. I've heard this about Christians. What are some of the things that made you a little bit hesitant as you were considering faith? Yeah. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that was heavy. Like I didn't have any experiences as a kid where I was like, you know, like just weird stuff would happen or like, you know, I don't know. I didn't really have many of those experiences that maybe we would think of or that we see in media or on TV shows. And st like, I'm watching Superstore right now. Do you, do you watch Superstore? Yeah, yeah, with Glenn. Glenn, man. As soon as you said it, I knew you were going to be talking about Glenn. I don't know anybody like Glenn. I never knew. <laughs> I, I wish I did, though, because it would be so awesome. Um, have you heard that guy's real voice, by the way? No. It's nothing just, like that. I'm like, <laughs> He's going to have some major issues in a couple of years from now because of the amount of times he had to keep his voice really high. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't know anybody like Glenn that kind of scared me away from the idea of Christianity or faith. Um, but there definitely was a, the mystery of it um, and putting all your eggs in one basket, if I could put it that way, um, and saying, you know, that you know, that you know was that was a, that was a little bit intimidating it wasn't that i didn't want to get there but that definitely was intimidating of like okay how do i know that this is real how do i know that what you're talking about is actually you know something that's that's true and even though i'm i'm definitely a really emotional person um something that i've i've learned about myself over especially this this last year being in lockdown is that um God's given me a brain to think about things really deeply um, in a way that I had never done before. Um, but when I look back kind of on my history of faith, there was, there was definitely all these parts that led up to who I know that I am now. And it's that I, I deeply thought about why would I believe what I believe? And so when I, and when I still see people and Christians just believe because 
I go, okay, there, there is an element of faith that's scriptural that says we got to just trust God and we have no evidence, but Christianity is not a, a lack of evidence faith. Like there's, there's nothing about Christianity that says, uh, we're just, we're just going on a whim here, hoping that it's true. <laughs> World's you biggest know, like, gamble. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, I, like I actually can't stand, I, I'm going to butcher it, but I've heard it lots said before that it's like, well, you know, like if I'm right, it's awesome. And if I'm wrong, well, then I just lived a great moral life. And it's like, actually our faith is so much deeper than that. There's so, there's so much truth yeah. to it. And so from, from a, a young age, I kind of went on this discovery of like, okay, if I'm going to believe this, I want to know why I believe it. And on that journey, I found that a good majority of people could never give me a good reason why they believed what they believed outside of personal testimony, which is, which is obviously actually good and testimonies used to bring other people uh, into faith and to encourage them. But I found that that was a bit of like a red flag. I was like, well, most people that are here don't even know why they're here. Yeah. So, so what would you say to the believer who's feeling insecure about what you're talking about right now? It's yeah. like, if someone were to ask me why I believe what I believe, like, and, and maybe, you know, I, I think they maybe have great intentions, kind of like you were saying, like mm. they it's genuine. It's not like their faith's invalid. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's not course. genuine, but, but they feel like there are a lot of holes in their understanding of everything. And I think yeah. that's what intimidates people who want to share their faith is, is having to be the person to say, you know, I actually, I actually don't know, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but, but what would you say to that person? Like, like how would, well, if we, if we look at kind of what's mainstream right now, especially in young adults, like we know as pastors that, and it, the numbers are only increasing that 80% plus of students, once they graduate high school, they decide to drop their faith at the door. And that shows me, did they actually really believe what they believed to begin with? Because the moment that they were challenged about it, it seemed like there was, it's too many flaws. And that made me think and go, you know what? I think that people that would be in that place. And I was in that place at one point. And sometimes I still find that myself gets into places like that. So the first thing I would say for somebody that is maybe intimidated or struggling with the idea of like, why do I believe what I believe? That's not a bad question. And you wouldn't be alone in asking that question. There's lots of people that, that want to ask that. I think sometimes what's happened and I'm a lover of the church. I, I believe the church is the hope for the world. Um, but I, I also know that it's not something that we talk about. We, we don't normally make room for discussions on doubt and questioning. Um, and something that's popular right now is deconstructing your faith, right? You've seen mm. so many like popular, you know, people that were like, like we were like fans. They were like, an, uh, idols isn't a good word, but they were like people we aspired to be like when we grew up. And they were just like, all of them have deconstructed their faith. And I go, why are they deconstructing it? RIP Marty Sampson, man, don't even get me started. <laughs> but, but then, yeah. then, then you see them doing these interviews and, uh, or like writing on their Instagram or whatever, putting up posts and stories about, you know, the things that they were questioning and I, okay, could, those are really good questions that I actually think every believer needs to ask. The thing is that I believe there's actually answers to them. And we don't always like the answers, by the way. We don't always feel satisfied with the answers, but I actually believe that in many cases, and not all cases, because we're not going to figure out everything in this life, um, there's actually some really, really solid evidence to the answers 
uh, sorry, to the questions that we struggle with. And so I would say if someone's sitting there and they're like, well, what do I, why do I believe what I believe? You should ask those questions. Here's where the difference comes in. If, if you're asking it to get closer to Jesus, you're on a really good path. If you're asking it to try and poke a bigger hole in it, so you can just feed your own self with the things that you want and your own desires, well, you're going to get what you want. And you know, our youth pastor, Will, Will Ferguson, shout out Will Ferguson. Um, we were talking about this in that transition of, and you know, I think it's, it's not just relevant to high school students, to university. And we were talking about that transition, how to make sure high school students actually transition into the next step of and next season of life well. And, you know, what we really, it was a long conversation, but essentially we came down to, we got to be really careful that we don't make students in love with the culture of church. They need to be in love with the culture of heaven. Mm. And, and that's, that's where I think the line in our own lives. And that's why I think COVID, COVID sucked in a lot of ways and it's terrible. But one of the good things is I think it's disrupted uh, the routine and rhythms of what our faith was. And it's put us in the position to say, well, what am I actually in love with? Right. You know, what, what am I actually following? What do I actually, what has really captured my heart? Is it still Jesus? Do I still have moments of uh, intimate moments in prayer, in worship, in fellowship with him? Do I still love his word? Do I, you know, and like, there's always a grieving of, of, we talked about that with Laura. There's the grieving of the gathering. I think that's, that's totally fine, but yeah. Uh, I think in moments like this, it, it's a revealer of, okay, well, what, what was my faith built on? Am I comfortable with what I actually know when I'm not being, not spoon fed, but that constant drip of the routine of faith. And it puts us in a position to ask difficult questions of ourselves and what we've built our faith on. And so I think as people who want to share our faith and people who want to communicate our faith, uh, the enemy, I think, likes to creep in in those moments of doubt and say, well, you're obviously not someone who can share your faith. Hmm. Uh, it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think we do need to know what we're talking about, and it's so vital. But I think there's a difference between being um, critical for the sake of being effective and falling into the trap of what the enemy would say is yeah. well, you have nothing to offer. Exactly. And you know nothing. And if you were going to explain it to somebody, you can't explain it well enough to be able to even make a difference. And we were talking like, as the train of thought between the world and the church widens, you know what I mean? Like it's only growing wider that we're not on the same page. Um, uh, this is my own personal feeling. The thing that's going to bridge that gap. And even from your story, it's going to be meaningful, genuine relationships with people. Yeah. It's, it's probably not going to be the institution of the church and not the institution's bad. It's good. It's valuable. It's amazing. And it has its place, but in that moment where someone goes, well, I've heard some, I've heard this about faith or I've heard that about faith uh, or I don't really understand this and what they do is strange, yada, yada, yada. The thing that will make the difference is, well, oh, well, you know me and you trust me and I believe this. Would you trust me to come with me and understand it more? Yeah. I don't think God had ever designed this life to do it on our own or figure it out on our own. So why would we put people in that scenario where it's like, okay, come to this service and uh, leave very confused. And I, I won't, I won't help answer your questions. Like, like that's a recipe for disaster, right? Like it's, it's gotta be more like, Hey, like, Oh, the pastor just said that. I don't know what that, is. Oh, where is the book? What's Corinthians? Like, I don't know what that means. Like being, being able to walk every step with somebody. And here's the thing you can't, you know, this, this is, this is like 
pastoral 101. You can't, you can't take somebody where you've never been. And even if you do, you're going to be in the same place. You're going to be learning at the same speed and, and that's okay. Like there's no shame in that whatsoever, but I just, I just think that it, it's time for us to really take a, a, a hold of our faith and go, okay, I know why I believe what I believe because a B and C and whatever those things that really just, they speak to your heart, like, like do your own homework, Laura, who is Mike's brother. Um, we, we were talking about this the other day. She said, she put this thing on Instagram and it, man, it just like spoke to me. She was like, Canada needs a revival and it's not going to be a big tent meeting or stuff like we've seen in history. It's going to be a bedroom revival where people are taking their faith seriously and they have no choice, but to do it from their bedroom. And I was like, Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I can't drop this mic. Doesn't work. But yeah, yeah. I was like, that was that was so good. That was so good. So yeah, I I think there's three three big questions that people ask for themselves when they're wrestling with their faith, which is not a bad thing, by the way. You see that in scripture all the time. And then three, those three big things are actually connected to the three big questions that people usually have when they're actually thinking about something more than themselves. So the first one is, why are we here? Like where, like, where did this all come from? And scripture speaks to that. And there's lots of different views, um, but there's lots of really good resources to understand the Genesis story, right? So like when you tell your friend, oh yeah, like God created Adam and Eve from a rib and there's a snake and they ate an apple. Okay. Like, is that mytho history? Is that like actually what happened Does seven days mean 24 hours times seven or or is it true that, you know, we've been in here for billions of years now, <laughs> like you can actually come to conclusions. And so th that big question of where do we come from? The one that I think most people uh, deal with is why are we here? So the idea of, is my life meaningful? Is there a purpose? And yeah. the Bible speaks to that. Right. And then the, the big one, and this is specifically with Christianity is did Jesus rise from the dead? Like if, if you can, if you can grasp those three questions and you do your homework and there's really good resource and I'll share Hold some on, re stuff. recap them with us, recap them with us. What's the first one again? So like, where did this all come from? So where creation, did it come from? Right. So that, that's, that's a, that's a big argument that's happening in our world all, for all of history. It's been argued. The second one that I think most humans care about is why am I here? So is there a purpose to me waking up every day? Is my life meaningful or am I, or am I just a clump of cells that goes with the rhythm until the grave? I, I, I don't think so. I think there's something bigger than that. And Christianity answers both of those questions. Then that third question is specifically within the realm of Christianity did Jesus rise from the dead? And that's the big one, because if he didn't rise from the dead, he was just a cool moral teacher or he was a fool because why, why wouldn't he have just said before he was nailed up on the cross? I'm just kidding. I don't want to go through with this anymore. <laughs> so there, there's something deeper about that. And there's lots of really great resources. So those three big questions, I think if you're, if you're a young adult watching this right now and you're wrestling with that, why do I believe what I believe? Go and look into these three big questions. Where did this all come from? Why are you here? Did Jesus rise from the dead? And it, the Bible speaks to all those kinds of things. Anything by C.S. Lewis speaks to all these three things all the time. Totally. Um, some that I've loved this year. Uh, one of my friends, John, here in Stratford, got me hooked on apologetics. I've always loved apologetics, but he, man, he, he opened up a can of worms. And apologetics so, is essentially how to understand your faith. And, and answer more of these critical questions. That's what apologetics yeah, it's, really it's, is. It's the argument for God's existence. Um, and all and faith in Christianity. So 
So some people that you need to look up and they're not Pentecostals, by the way. So there's some things where I go and I'm a Christian before I'm a Pentecostal. Let me, let me put it that way first is I love Jesus before I love Pentecostalism. Um, but uh, these guys have a really great view and they don't even come from the same background that I practice in per se, or that I'm affiliated with. So anyway, some of these guys, one that I love is Dr. Frank Turek, T-U-R-E-K. Dr. Frank Turek, he's got a ministry called Cross Examined, super cheesy name, really great stuff. <laughs> he's got podcasts, he's got a YouTube channel, he's got an Instagram account, maybe he's on Twitter, I don't have that or use that anymore. Um, but he's got lots of stuff that when you're just going through the feed right now and you're bored out of your mind, stuck at home, put something that's actually healthy in there that's going to feed your soul. So Dr. Frank Turek, Cross Examined. Another one is William Lane Craig, who's probably my favorite. Um, and he's kind of like, a, a notch above Dr. Frank in nerdiness. So Dr. Frank is like the message version. And then, you know, you have William Lane Craig. He's more like ESV version <laughs> of how, like the language that he uses. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he's got a ministry called uh, reasonable faith. And it's so good. Same thing, podcast, YouTube, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, really, really great resources. And they're not like these two hour debates. They're like five minute videos them in universities and all of the places too, content that they make answering these questions that you, the listener have, they're so good. They've been so refreshing and they've, they've fed my spirit like a lot this year. I feel so uh, after doing this for, for years now, I feel so um, concrete in. Yeah. And I, I think that's I a big part of it is like our faith should leave us with a confidence. Like there should be a confidence in our faith. It shouldn't be a, a secret and not, and I think sometimes we confuse confidence with being a jerk. That's not really what I mean. Sure. But I yeah, think there yeah. should be an internal confidence of like, no, I, I'm firm in what I believe. And so I can engage these conversations uh, through the lens of the fruit of the spirit because I'm confident. You know what I mean? Like it, it's okay. You're, it's so much easier to have patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control mm -hmm. when you don't feel like you're being attacked. And when you're confident in what you know, to, you're, to you're, that I, you're confident because there's good reason to believe it. Yeah. Not like just because uh, it's not a faith. whim. It's it's you've actually thought about it. And we've, you know, and, and for a lot myself is, is some of the experiences that I've had have helped keep me grounded mm -hmm. in my faith. Some of the moments in prayer Two that I would add is the ask NT write anything podcast. Unbelievable. And the second one's actually called unbelievable. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's when he actually pits these, he'll pit two perspectives. So he'll have a, uh, a creationist theory uh, professor and someone who is the evolutionist theory. And they'll, they'll talk back and forth points at each other and kind of have this healthy kind of debate. And I think really what we want to drill home today is, is witnessing is and sharing our faith is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that's our part in the church as a believer. It's not, God's plan was never to establish figureheads in the church that we would bring people to and they would communicate the gospel. It's never what the design and the plan was, but it's everyday people in everyday life sharing their experience with an eternal God that really exploded the church. And of course, there's there's places for church leadership. Of course, I think we're a little biased that there's there's definitely a place for church leadership. Like there's obviously a, there's a, there's a point to it, but um, kind of to your point earlier, like let's not there's a confidence that every believer can have. And there is a call on every believer in every life to be someone who 
wants to and is able to share their faith. Mm -hmm. And you might be at different spots on the spectrum of where you feel comfortable doing that. And I think God's graciousness is for all of us. And whether you feel like you're pro star uh, intellectual, you have it all down pat, or whether you're someone new to faith and you're just excited about it. Mm. Uh, the Holy spirit uses all of it. And when we're willing and available and we come to relationships in our life with authenticity and love and the expectation that we just want to be available and we're going to share the gospel in moments when we can. And I loved what you were saying about the Bronson family, just taking you in. Like it wasn't like without an agenda, but with a hope. I think that's the difference is there's not an agenda, but of course there's a hope and that's what God's given all of us. Yeah. Let me take the weight off too, for, for listeners today. You're not God. You're just you. What? So it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not your responsibility to, to save anybody. In fact, even if you tried your hardest, you don't have the ability to, because you're not perfect. Only God can do that. Like that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell is that Jesus is the one who saves us. It's not your job to convince anybody. It's your job to share. It's your job to live. It's your job to be there. It's your job to listen. It's not your job to save. So anybody that's listening today and they feel the weight on their shoulders, like, let me take that off for you today and say, hey, you're not God. You're just you. Maybe there's a Kevin watching. Kevin, if you're watching, you're not God. You're just Kevin. <laughs> I don't know if you're a Kevin. <laughs> Poor Kevin. Poor Kevin. <laughs> Poor but, Kevin. He's yeah. like, Pastor Scott, you told him to say my name. <laughs> but yeah, like take the weight off. It's it's not your responsibility to save. It's just your responsibility to live and to share. And sometimes yeah. you share by living too. So well, huge thank you to Pastor Carlo for joining us. And uh so much to take away with. And so plug those resources again, right at the very end. Those You gave us two good names. What were they again? Yeah. Dr. Frank Turek and his ministry is called Cross Examined. And the other one is William Lane Craig, uh, who is also a doctor and his resource is called Reasonable Faith. And they're on all the social platforms. So check those out. Beauty. Thank you so much, Carlo. And for everybody else, back to the cast. Well, huge thank you to Carlo for joining us. I love Carlo. And I'm always challenged by his perspective of, you know, are we willing to see people for what they are as people who need grace and understanding and patience and love and kindness and goodness? And we'll begin to see people in our life as people we want to actually walk through life with and, and walk through the journey of faith with. And, you know, that's been a lot of my story of how I came to faith and how what actually got me to the point to let this be something that's more than just a faith that I inherited, but a faith that I've taken on are people of incredible patience and persistence and consistency in my life who allowed me to have moments of questioning and doubt and frustrations and misunderstandings and all of those things. And, you know, I'm just encouraged to think of in the same way that that's what brought me to faith. I want to do that for somebody else. I want to be consistent in their life. I want the relationship to be genuine and real and, and someone that I really care about. And, you know, I think through that, uh, people come to see that our faith is not this token and it's not just something we're trying to get points on a scoreboard, but they're people's lives that we want to see changed and transformed. And so I wanted to ask our cast tonight as we go, is there someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus yet that you hope will know Jesus? Yeah, there are a couple people at my work uh, that like I've known for a couple years uh, and, you know, have like those kind of in passing conversations about Jesus. Um, but now it's kind of getting to that point where it's like, I, I, I want you to 
like make a decision uh, and they know I want that, but like, I'm not going to push them. Uh, but the, there are a bunch of people that I'm friends with there that I really want to come to come to know Jesus. Totally. That's awesome. There's a lot of people I work with too. Sheesh. They are my goodness. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what about Ed, Aiden or Elliot? What about you guys? And you know, um, I, I, it's a it's put context pre fixed to this you know sometimes this can be a very intimate question so like if our answers sound vague you know i think out of the spirit of them being real people who we care about and we love and we want the best for it might come across vague but but they're real people that we're talking about go for it um i had two people in my life um that really come to the center of my mind uh one's a, a family member who uh you know grew up in church but um like kind of came to me and, and was like, I feel like I've just been forced into this. Like, I don't really know if I, if it's for me and I, and I, I, I've ex- like, I, I just don't think a relationship is, a, is, is what I want. And I've had another who is just almost kind of in denial over like my friend who's in, in denial uh, just has grown up into a Christian home too, but uh, just doesn't um, want, he just, it's, it's almost like, kind of like his this the self um has kind of given him desires that he has just wanted to uh live by he's questioning it yeah like, is this something that was real or is it something that i yeah inherited like that was exactly my situation as well Mm -hmm. yeah what about you elliot uh definitely again another family member for me as well um again his experience with church was that like he felt that he was forced to believe what we believed and that if he didn't, he was doing something wrong. And so that has kind of defined what Christianity or what this faith is to him. And so like him and I like have conversations about this all the time. And it's interesting to hear like his perspective as to why um, he doesn't believe certain things or he's having trouble with coming to terms with some things that we believe as well. But um, yeah, like slowly we're going through the Bible. And I think that, um, actually having good representations of what Jesus is in his life has started to kind of shift his, his perspective on that, which is good. And I mean, that's all I've really wanted is that I think that we forget that. Yeah. It's one thing to, again, preach the gospel as well. But I think as you were talking about already, there are instances when not that it's appropriate, but I think that there are moments where it's better to do that than others. And I think that ultimately it just comes down to just be Jesus and love on them regardless of, what they believe in where they're at. Yeah. And a big part of it. And, and I'm very sympathetic to people who have had bad experiences in church that have caused them to walk away. Like this is probably an entire separate conversation, but if we're going to have a heart for this uh, evangelism, we should probably be pretty good with our own people and making sure that they're still following Jesus before. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like if, if we treat people internally so poorly that they walk away from faith, why would we expect that people who do not know Jesus yet, would choose to necessarily follow him based on based on our interaction with them. And, you know, there are moments where the spirit can meet someone in a, uh, in a moment of their life apart from any of us and radically transform someone's life. Salt Paul, like there are moments like that, but it doesn't necessarily absolve us from our responsibility. And I think that's what I want to really drill home tonight is that the future of the church is people who see sharing the gospel as their responsibility I was just going to say kind of along those lines, like um, it is, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is like biblical that we 
um, not, not only like once we accept Christ and once we uh, develop a relationship with him, like, are we not called to go and make disciples as well? Or was that just totally? We are. Yeah, exactly. Totally. We are. So it's go like into the, go and be my witness and exactly. make disciples are the two mm. things that we're asked to do. Yeah. And they're hard and we don't always do them really well. Yeah. And, and maybe some Christians just like, I feel like they don't, uh, um, they, they kind of, maybe it gets forgotten about that part of it. And um, like the, the fact that we need to be active in like sharing our faith. And maybe that's another reason why they're not maybe scared to do it or they just kind of forget about it. Well, and the challenge is we're, we are um, at moments victims of our own culture. Yeah. And uh, we were saying earlier when we, before we were recording, like uh, Canadian culture is not as community oriented as I think we'd like to think it is. Like yeah. people come home at the end of the day, they get in their house, they mind their own business. They find people who are somewhat like them and maybe not ethnically, but even uh, ideologically, socio sociologically, all those things. And we kind of stick to our groups. It's not necessarily this uh, community culture as much mm. as other places in the world where the gospel is being able to be demonstrated a lot easier. And so what I think it forces us to do is break our mindset of uh, me first. And that's yeah. what I loved about Laura's conversation. I think Laura Fess set it up perfectly to say, look, if you're going to be someone kingdom minded, you have to be someone who is countercultural and not countercultural for offensive sake, countercultural for I'm going to go out of my way to care for this person with nothing in return. Yeah. And, and let it be genuine and let it be honest that's and good. allow it to be something that sets up an opportunity for God to share something powerful in their life. And so as we go tonight, if there's someone in your life that you've been thinking about and someone that you think needs to know Jesus, that might just be the leading of the Holy spirit in your heart and your mind to reach out to them. I'm not saying you need to send them NT rights, understanding the new Testament. What I am saying though, is they might need someone to care about them, encourage them, remind them that, you know, they, there's more to life than this. And, and as we reach out of a genuine relationship and just spend time with them, trust and pray and ask God to create opportunities to speak truth, life, and goodness. And when the moment comes, would there be a boldness to actually share our life story with them so they come to know Jesus? So awesome to have you at the Young Life. And we're gonna our question of the week this week is is who's the person in your life that you want to come to know Jesus? What do you begin to think about it this week? Who you want to be responsible for to come to know Jesus? Then we'll post it. You don't have to put their name, you can put brother, sister, coworker, whoever it is. We want to know who is the person in your life that you would love to come to know Jesus. And uh, we will catch you guys next week for episode 13 of the Young Life Podcast. We'll see you guys later.